How do you do? Mr. Brian Peters feels it would be a little unkind to present this podcast, gravely amusing, without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold an episode from the mind of Brian Peters, a fan of pop culture who sought to create a podcast after his own image, without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest podcasts ever listened to. It deals with two great fandoms of pop culture, humor, and horror. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such strain, now's your chance to... Well, we warned you. everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Gravely Amusing, the only pop culture podcast that know which one of the Pickwick triplets did it. I am your host, Brian Peters, and I'm here with special guest Tyler Patrick of the world-famous Krypton Report podcast, the only DC podcast that you can rent for five nights at Blockbuster. <laughs> hey, Tyler, what's up, man? What's up, man? I'm happy to be back. Thank you. I'm really excited for this episode. So you're excited because you're here with me. Yes. And I'm I'm not the greatest. This is true. You know, I get up in the morning and I piss blood. <laughs> then excellence. <laughs> and then excellence. <laughs> but you know, we've we've since we've been friends for five years? Six I think six years. Thanks, sir. Uh five? Six yeah. years? Six? Twenty eighteen. Five, five, five years. years. Five oh, years. Just however old my daughter is, subtract a year. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But um, things that we love, DC Comics, yep. superheroes, and monsters. That's what brought us together. And my favorite universal monster is Frankenstein, just because of how Boris looks. And I like the mad scientist thing. And I'm an Incredible Hulk fan and stuff. But your favorite... And probably, probably if I'm honest with myself, it might be my favorite, really, deep down. Um, the Wolfman. Yeah. And he's your absolute favorite. He is my absolute favorite. And it'll be sprinkled of why throughout this conversation. Um, I feel like I should have put on my Wolfman shirt, but I just, you know, didn't feel like changing. I'm wearing an incredible Hulk shirt. Or grab my Wolfman You're wearing mask. a Superman shirt. Just, dude, <laughs> it's it's more scary when you come over and I'm not wearing one. You're like, what's wrong with you? I'm going to be brutally honest with you. When, if, if, when you're not wearing a Superman shirt, I get really scared. <laughs> like, I'm like, is this is this Twilight Zone? Are my glasses going to break? Are my hearing aids going to break? Really? I don't see anything. Is it a holiday? No. Is there any special occasion going on? No. No. All right. Now I'm worried. Because, because at my funeral, you're gonna wear a black Superman shirt. I am, and then and then you're gonna try to resurrect me and put me in a Kryptonian whatever. Yeah, and at my funeral, I'm gonna have him paying one dude to stand in the back dressed as a Grim Reaper, <laughs> and then I'm gonna have my friend Devin throw some salt in there with a lighter fluid. 
and toss in a, a match. <laughs> My man. <laughs> so, Tyler, with all the stuff that you know about werewolves, like, what, what is the origin of the werewolf? Like, where does it come from? So, I want to take a step back to get to that question just but. Um, a couple of years ago, when I was finishing up my degree and I was working on an original script, um, I had an idea for a werewolf movie, and that's and I, but before I started, I started plotting it, and I went hardcore into research and in just watching pretty much every werewolf movie I could get my hands on at the time. Um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pause there just because I have another comment to go with that. But I'm going to see if it comes up in our conversation. Um, but the, the most traditions I can find that goes to Roman um, and the Norse father and son who are more like skinwalker werewolves. I don't have any notes on the Roman, uh, the Roman mythology. I didn't pull so, mine up, but it dealt with the Romans were the ones that talked about like drinking the water out of a paw print of the wolf could turn you into a werewolf. And there was a, there was a story about a feast where uh, a person turned into a beast. And if I would have thought about it, like if we were going to, if I knew we were going to go more into the mythology, I would have went and dug it all out. But well, um, I have a callback here. Remember my first episode when I had that big long rant about like how I wanted to start this podcast? Yeah. And I talked about the uh, Epic of Gilgan or Gilgamesh. Gil Gilgamesh, whatever. So in the Epic of Gilgamesh, some scholars say that that's actually where werewolves started. Some people say. There, there's, there are conflicting reports, listeners, of where werewolves really came from. But in the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, Gilgamesh rejected a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate into a wolf. So that's part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, in Greek mythology, there is a legend of, I'll probably butcher this name, Lycoin? 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 The Cohen brothers? Yeah, the Cohen brothers. Yeah, 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 the Cohen brothers. According to that legend, uh, Lycoin, the son of Plato, Pelagus, 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 uh, angered Zeus when he served Zeus a meal made from the remains of a sacrificed boy. As punishment, Zeus turned uh, the Cohen brothers and their sons into wolves. Like now, uh, werewolves are also in early Nordic folklore. The saga of the Volsungs tells the story of a father and son, that's probably what you were talking about, uh, who discovered wolf pelts yep. and had the power to turn people into wolves for 10 days. They don the pelts, they transform into wolves, and they go on a killing rampage in the forest. Yes. The rampage ends, though, when the father attacks his son, causing a lethal wound. The son only survives because a kind raven gives the father a leaf with healing powers, the raven, I suppose, is Odin. Yeah, that makes I was, sense. I was, you know, whatever. Um, but most werewolf stories uh, actually are excuses for serial killers that, that I found. Like in 1521, Frenchman Pierre Bargot, or Pierre Escargot, <laughs> and Mikhail Verdun allegedly swore allegiance to the devil and claimed to have some ointment that turned them into wolves. After confessing to brutally murdering several children, they were both burned to death at the stake. 
because at this time, for some reason, fire was believed to be able to kill a werewolf. I mean, fire is just, I mean, culturally, fire always has been able to extinguish. Kills everything. Yeah, destroys everything. Like, this is going to kill evil. You know, heat, fire, fire from God, whatever. Yeah. Um, so there was a werewolf known as the Werewolf of Dole, and his name was Gal- Giles Gardner. And he was a 16th century Frenchman who claimed the fame was also an ointment with wolf morphing abilities. Uh, according to this legend, as a wolf, he viciously, viciously killed children and he ate them. He, too, was burned at the stake. Now, whether it was drugs, mental illness, the devil worship, or just being sick bastards, we're not sure. But to the French and to the people of superstition, to them, such heinous crimes of murder, cannibalism, killing children, uh, it can only be committed by a beast. So they just threw the werewolf title on it and said, yeah, well, yeah, the werewolf, you know. Uh, but Peter Stubb, a wealthy 15th century farmer in Bedburg, Germany, he may be the most notorious werewolf of them all. Have you ever heard of that guy? Yeah. Well, according to folklore, he turned into a wolf-like creature at night and devoured many citizens. Peter was eventually blamed for the killings after being cornered by hunters who claimed that they actually saw him shapeshift from wolf to human form. He experienced a grisly execution after confessing their torture to savagely killing animals, men, women, and children, and eating their remains. He also confessed he owned an enchanted belt that gave him the power to transform, transform into that wolf at will. For some reason, the belt was never found. Hmm. Ah, suspicious indeed. But Peter's controversial uh, sense because some people believe he actually wasn't the killer and he confessed out of fear because during this time, and this kind of has gone hand-to-hand in medieval mythology or medieval times, uh, wolves and witches have gone hand-in-hand. Interesting. Where there's a witch hunt for women, there's a werewolf hunt for men. That's fascinating. And they've gone hand-in-hand. So, and I need to say more of this, but the gypsy culture, like, and I bet you you have, because you're probably dying to say something by looking your face. Um, I want to know more about the gypsy culture, because gypsies are very much associated with witches. And if werewolves and witches go hand-in-hand... Um, my interest is is piqued. So, question. Do full moons make people crazier? I mean, it's always said that. Um, or is it just a bunch of BS because people say it? I mean, the, mul- the, the full moon deals with gravitational, if you know, scientific, with gravitational pull and the tides and everything, and our bodies are 90% water. And you can look at the gravitational pull to water in itself pulls on us and can cause maybe any kind of reaction to our body and blood. Um, so, I mean, you could say that. I mean, I don't, I've never really researched that there's an empirical evidence. Um, do you ever find yourself being a little bit more crazy, Randy, or whatever on a full moon? I know I do. But I have my own small problems on a full moon. But nice figure I probably have to put it. Does it make people crazier or is it an excuse for people to be crazy? I think it's more of an excuse for people to be crazy. But a, a study in 2010, they did a study in 2010 in Australia, 
at the Calvary Manor Newcastle Hospital, and they 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 discovered that a full moon brings out the beast in many humans. So what this study did is they found that 91 violent acute behavior incidents uh, were found. Well, the, the study at the hospital, they had 91 violent acute behavior incidents at the hospital between August 28, 2008 and July 2009. And 23% of, of these 91 violent attacks in the hospital happened during a full moon. So patients attacked staff. They even displayed wolf-like behavior, such as biting, spitting, and scratching. So take, take that as you will. I was trying to look up studies of full moon assault. Do you, do you have anything in there about the full moon effects on women? And how, tech, yeah. and how technically I don't, don't. ancient cultures and our modern day with the way things have been, she's, but a woman's menstrual cycle would sync up with the cycle of the moon. <laughs> with the full moon being the end of the sun. Is there something else I can help with? I know, Siri. No, Siri. We don't want uh, to talk about your menstrual cycle. Um, I think it was the end. Maybe it was the beginning. But, yeah. Mm. That's why you don't take a gamble with you, huh? So, <laughs> there's a, there's probably some more we can discuss with that. But, um, it's very well, interesting. Well, stuff. speaking in medical situations, um, uh, there in 1725, there was found Peter the Wild Boy. This boy was found wandering naked on all fours through a German forest, and many thought he was a werewolf, or at least he was raised by wolves. Peter ate with his hands, and he couldn't speak. He was eventually adopted by the courts of King George I and King George II, and he lived out his days as their pet in England. So sometimes just weird kids that were just well, yeah they were raised by wolves. Werewolves kind of kind of come from that. I mean, you also like you we, we kind of skipped over this, but like you talked about not having a Roman story, but Romulus and Remus being raised by wolves, the founder of Rome, the founders of Rome being raised by wolves or potentially you know werewolf parents. Absolutely. Um, so other medical conditions that may have encouraged werewolf mania. Um, Pitt, Hop Pitt Hopkins syndrome is a condition discovered in 1978. It causes a lack of speech, seizures, distinct facial features, difficulty breathing, and intellectual challenges. There's also lycanthropy. Which is a rare psychological condition that causes people to believe that they're changing into a wolf or another animal. I really liked in Wolfman 2010. We'll, we'll hit on that a little bit. That scene where like they're like, "Oh, this is all it is. It's all in his head. It's all you know, like you know, that caused him to think it." Um, where werewolf uh, conditions have been have been tied to food poisoning, yeah, whatever. Uh, rabies, of course, uh, hypertrichosis, which is a rare genetic disorder causing excessive hair growth. So, like people with hair all over their face, you know, like the Wolfman or, or whatever, the Circus Wolf Boy from good old PT, yeah. and uh, just people being high. <laughs> um, but throughout the centuries, people have used werewolves and other mystic beasts to explain the unexplainable. In modern times, however, most people believe werewolves are nothing more than 
pop culture icons, made famous thanks to Hollywood, and uh, especially the 1941 flick, The Wolfman. So Tyler, my man, and I know I know you got a whole lot to say about this. What is the difference between a werewolf and a wolfman? Okay, so first of all, this is loaded. Because bring it, bring it on me, buddy. This is where we get into the film in itself and its history and the context of much like when we spoke about Dracula, what makes a universal Dracula, yeah. what makes the Wolfman the Wolfman is and how I, I interpret it, but also see is the Larry is a Wolfman. He is a werewolf, but what makes him the Wolfman is he's bitten by a naturally born werewolf. Mm. There's that's your difference. Now don't me, don't ask me because we never get into with this film and this mythology where Bela's uh wolf from, but he is a natural born werewolf. And then Larry is bitten, and that's what he becomes the wolf man. But he's still a werewolf, because they even say um and they tell him he's a werewolf and everything. But he has a different. So Bale, Bale is naturally more werewolf. Yes, meaning like his father was a werewolf. I don't know if his father was, or if it runs in the. But where, where was that from? Um, the script. This part of it was in the script, and it's just I think it was just conversation. Mm. Like it was in the conversation with the creation of it. Um, because I never knew that there is a distinction between like just a regular wolf and then the wolfman. And the universe, and that's I think when we talk about the Universal monsters, because Universal did do a werewolf movie, but this made it so big and iconic, the Wolf Man, and that is, you know, the werewolves a lot of times in mythology, a lot of movies are more wolf-like, they're more on all fours at all times. The Wolf Man is more man-like, walking on two feet. Um, so there's there's your kind of dis, a little bit of your distinction in there because the wolf man as a werewolf mythology has its own rules. We'll talk about. Oh yeah, we're definitely gonna get there. So characteristics in the history of werewolves here. Okay, the transformation sometimes may be temporary, sometimes it's permanent. The were animal may be the man himself metamorphosized. Uh, sometimes in some legends. It's a double whose activity leaves the real man to all appearance unchanged. So he's just like, like a, like a double is created mm-hmm. where so basically the man's just chilling there in like a coma state and like a second being is created from him and goes and does wolf stuff. Um, now this may be his soul which go forth seeking whoever it may devour, leaving its body in a state of trance, or it may be no more than the messenger of the human, uh, being a real animal or familiar spirit whose connection to the owner um, is through psychological connection. So basically, the man's in a trance, his soul leaves his body, but whatever happens to this wolf soul physically will affect the man and it's linked psychologically. That's something I found in folklore. Um, 
werewolves were said in European folklore to bear physical traits even in their human form. These included a unibrow, curved fingernails, low set ears, and a swinging stride. So people with unibrows, yeah, you might be a werewolf, you know, whatever. Um, one method of identifying a werewolf in its human form was to cut the flesh of the accused. And under that cut would be fur. Mm. So in the wood would, or in the, in the wood, in the wound would be buried fur. Oh, wow. Uh, a Russian superstition. That kind of makes me think about the idea about when the transformation, like about the wolf coming from within, out. Yeah. Where we've seen um, where people where they rip the skin off and there's a wolf compared to like turning into the wolf. It's like the wolf is birthed inside of them. Well, we'll definitely get into what, what we prefer. Um Russians believe that uh, you can tell a werewolf by um, hair under their tongue. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, now, the appearance of a werewolf in its animal form varies from culture to culture. Those most commonly portrayed as being uh, indistinguishable from ordinary wolves, save for the fact that a werewolf has no tail. A trait... Um, a trait... Now... If, if a witch turns into a wolf, it'll have a tail. But a werewolf will not have a tail, according to, according to some folklore. Uh, it's just weird. Um, the wolf is also larger than a normal wolf, and it retains human eyes, and it can speak. Now, according to Swedish folklore, the werewolf could be distinguished from a regular wolf by the fact that it would run on three legs and it would stretch the fourth leg backwards to look like a tail. That doesn't make sense to me, but, you know, they're Swedish, you know, whatever. Um, now, after returning to human forms, werewolves are usually documented in folklore as being extremely weak and undergoing a nervous depression or anxiety. So right when they turn to human, they're at their weakest point. Now, one trait in medieval Europe was a werewolf's habit of devouring recently buried corpses. Hmm. Something else. like So like a dog, they would dig up the bones and go from that. So what we know for sure is that werewolf accusations of wolf and witch accusations go hand in hand. Uh, usually werewolves are cannibals. They are killers, mostly serial killers. But how does one become a werewolf in the first place? Can we just point out real quick? Um, yeah, man. Talking about the wolf man, and then we'll get back to it. But in a lot of the folklore and the myths, the werewolf in itself takes more of a wolf characteristics and has more of that pure wolf um, look than what the wolf man. Absolutely. Is. Like werewolves, werewolves to me, to you, and just. Like just looking up stuff, werewolves are straight like wolves. Mm -hmm. The wolf man is more humanistic as appearance, and and well, you know, we'll get to it. Um, so I was one become a werewolf. Some legends claim werewolves shape shift at will due to a curse. Others say they transform with the help of an enchanted sash 
or a cloak made of wolf pelt or, you know, that good old Peter's belt. A famous claim is people become wolves after being scratched or bit by another werewolf. That's the most common. You have to be bit. Yeah, I like that one. It's always been my favorite. Yeah, I mean, it makes the most sense to me. You inject with the saliva, like passing on the curse. Saliva curses also can be looked at as metaphors for disease, you know, changing biological information. Now, now often werewolves have been used to, like, vampires are for kind of like, you know, almost, almost female sexual desire. Werewolves are more considered like men going through puberty desire. It, it is a very it's, good. It's, it's also terrible. Um, did you ever watch the TV show Being Human? No. Where you have Aiden, who's a sex addict, who's a vampire. You have oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, that's the one that's on the list. Doesn't uh, like a vampire or werewolf? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, gosh. Oh, uh, geez. Sam, so. Um, uh, why not David? Uh, who played Davis Bloom? Why not Sam Witwer plays Aiden, who's a sex addict, plays a vampire. Hmm. This is the American version. There's also a UK version. Sam Huntington has anger issues, and he's the werewolf. And then um, can't remember her first name, but Wrath is her last name. Has uh, when she's afraid of being like outside and always wants to be alone, and she's a ghost. So what they do is they use these real human traits that we all deal with through the lens of these supernatural creatures. And they're all roommates. Sound like a freaking awesome show. It was. I forgot what it's called, but it, but it was on my list. Yeah. So I watched the American version and never watched the UK version. UK might be better. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it ain't. Huh. Um... So, Tyler, some yes. ways that you can cure being a werewolf. These, this, this, this one made me laugh. I really like this one. Uh, the ancient Greeks and Romans believed in the power of exhaustion that you could cure a werewolf by basically just making them tired. Just give them a lot of physical activity and hope that the, were the wolf will be tired and basically leave them. So basically, you could just throw him in a hamster wheel and he'd be out. That's what they believed. In medieval Europe, they believed that you had to you had to find some way to medically do it, um, either by a vial of wolfsbane. Um, you can surgically remove uh, the werewolf, the werewolf or whatever, or by exorcism. Uh, but many of these cures by medieval practices, uh, they basically just kill people. So they thought that they could just open up the skull, remove a part of the brain, and they could take the werewolf out. Uh, they thought that they could inject people with wolfbane, um, whatever, uh, or just exercise them. Uh, and, and an Arabic belief says that the werewolf can be cured of its ailment by striking on it on the forehead or scalp with a knife. Just, I guess the bone of a knife, something like that. Uh, another belief from that same culture involves the piercing of the werewolf's hands with nails. It's a little stigmata. Yeah, just get a stigmata and then, like, it's fine. Stigmata crucifixion? You'd be all right. Just walk it off. Uh, some German villages, 
they say that a werewolf can be cured if it, we were to simply address it three times by his Christian name. You just say his real name three times, and it will be cured. Hmm. Now, a Danish belief says that if you merely scold the werewolf, you will cure it. So if you just say, hey, bastard, stop it. Yeah, cure it. That's a I don't think it's going to work. Um, <laughs> there, is a there is a belief in the medieval period that if you could find somebody that was a werewolf in human form and you converted them to Christianity, they will be cured. That's cool. So your mom has attempted this many times. The many beasts. <laughs> I was wondering we were going to be. I had one lined up. I was like, who's going to get there first, me or you? <laughs> and it truly has worked 0% of the time, every time. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tyler. Where does the silver bullet thing come from? It really comes from this movie, The Wolfman, because yep. this one talks about so. But can we silver in itself? Um, has been discussed in folklore and in cultures of being able to kill evil or unholiness because that Judas was given silver to betray Jesus. And it was linked to the ultimate evil kind of um, being able to fight against that. And when we when we dive more into the Wolfman itself, we'll, dis we'll discuss the breakdown of certain things that are in this film. But that's really where the silver came from. Now, the bullet in itself, um, you know, is briefly mentioned in this film. Because a silver bullet's never shot in this movie. Not in this one. Um, we get the silver of the stick, that, and you know. So, but that's really kind of where the silver originates, is in the folklore there, but put into this film. This movie adds so much, so much to the folklore. And we'll we'll capital. We'll get there. We'll get there about why. This movie, I think, has so much of pro uh, prominence to it. But so, um, so I did look up as much as I could. Uh, English folklore has tales of shapeshifters being vulnerable to silver. And of course, you have Judas and in the Bible, absolutely. Now, just like you said, the first film is in 1941's Wolfman is the first film to depict a silver bullet or a silver object that is needed to kill a werewolf. And um, the, this was the first film that involved that a full moon, a full moon had something to do with it as well, the turn werewolf. Um, but you don't get the full transformation due to a full moon. Uh, you get it more in a sequel where the full moon's a big part of it. Um, now I want to ask you this. How do you feel about the theory that werewolves Descend from Dracula. Uh, I, I'm like, because you read the book, you read Dracula, yeah. with me, and there's this whole thing that Dracula says about wolves and yeah, controlling wolves. My thing is kind of like they would be like his like creations in himself. I mean, I thought like that's getting some Stephen Summer shit there, some Van Helsing movie shit. And I say shit. We love Memphis. Um, well, I didn't mark this as explicit, but now I have to. So thanks, asshole. So that's that's getting into some Stephen Summers like crap there with like the Van Helsing, 
only Dracula can be bitten by a werewolf. Um, I can see, you know, the fact that Dracula in the book and everything talks about being able to turn into a wolf. I don't like it because I think there's so much more cultural relevancy in other areas of where it comes from. Um, but I can see where the argument could be made, especially when you touch on the fact that we don't really know when Dracula began. Right. Um, but I like to have them separate because um, then I feel like then it becomes like what they did in Van Helsing, uh, the wolf versus, you know, being the enemy, complete enemy of the vampire. So, nope, totally with you. But in the novel Dracula, Dracula says this, that he says that he is, that some of his people are Schleskis, I can't even say Schleskis, but they're they're Hungarian nobles. And Dracula says this, uh, we Schleskis have a right to be proud, for in our veins flows the blood of many brave races who fought as the lion fights for lordship. Here in the whirlpool of European races, the Urg, the Urg, sorry, I butcher all these. The Urgit tribe bore down from Iceland the fighting spirit which Thor and Woden gave them, which their berserkers displayed to such uh, full intent in the seaboards of Europe. I and of Asia and Africa too, till the people thought that they, that the werewolves themselves had come. Uh, is it a wonder that we were a conquering race, that we were proud, that when the Mager, the Lombard, the Eivor, blah, 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 blah. It's a long quote. But basically saying that his people, when they would fight, it was almost like they were wolves themselves. Um, it, we know from Dracula that sometimes he says things and you think he's thinking something else. But he's really saying what he means. Um, I don't. I don't really. I don't. I don't want werewolves to come. Anything, have really anything to do with vampires or Dracula? I really don't. I, I don't like it. Um, Dracula turning into a wolf himself. I mean, it's part of Dracula's. I mean, it's part of his lore, his mythology. But personally, I don't. I don't want Dracula anywhere near a wolf. I agree. I, I just. It's not. I don't like it. Um, now, Tyler, my man, did you know that 1941's Wolfman was not the first Wolfman movie? Yes. There was another werewolf movie. But it was, this was the first Wolfman movie. It's all about, <laughs> oh, it's, my man. It's all about branding, but we'll get into that. We will get into that. We will get into it. Well, we're going to get into it right now. So in 1935, Universal Studios decided to do a werewolf movie. And it sucks. He looks kind of cool, but yeah. How is it cool? I said he looks kind of cool. He looks kind of cool. Kind of cool. I didn't say the movie was cool. I said he looks kind of cool. Well, for, for those that listen to the Mummy podcast, you know that when I feel that a movie kind of sucks, I kind of like talk really fast about it. <laughs> because... Because it's just it's just not very good, as you know, as people heard in the Mummy podcast. So, the Werewolf of London, you know, first of all, 
the guy the guy that acted in it, I can't remember his name. Um I, I don't care. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but I'm like Ugh. he seriously went to Jack Pierce and said, Hey man, I don't want to wear all this makeup and look awesome. Um, I want to be able to be recognizable from my face, you know, as a werewolf. Basically, like I'm so pretty, so pretty, pretty witty and gay. And gay. <laughs> like, and I feel pity on anyone who's not as pretty as as Dory. Yeah, I can't remember. I know, I mainly know it. Who is that pretty werewolf there? <laughs> I mainly know the song from. Uh, the Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> yeah. My wife would smack me for that. She's like, you know it from nope. No, no, no. Um, but in that movie, it's it's about this botanist that finds this plant that can grow in the moonlight, and he he takes it to his laboratory. Story. And, oh I'm sorry, before he takes it to the laboratory, uh, he gets bit by another werewolf. My apologies. Story is important, and we'll get there. Um, yes, yes. But as he takes it back to his laboratory, he discovers that he is slowly turning to a werewolf. But when he's a, when his hand starts growing hair on it and turning wolf-like, he's near this plant and he realizes that, uh, that it's, it's curing him. So he gets obsessed with this. In the meantime, his fiance or his, oh no, actually she was his wife, I think. Uh, his wife's old friend comes into town, and basically his wife goes and hangs out with her old boyfriend, and he's obsessed with the laboratory. And in the midst of this, this other botanist shows up and is like, hey, there's two werewolves in London, and uh, they're going to want this flower because it can help cure, you know, you know, uh, lycanthropy. 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 Yeah, I can't pronounce anything tonight. Um but yeah, the other botanist ends up being the other werewolf, and um, yeah, this movie this movie kind of sucks. Yeah, sounds good. So there, there you go. That's Werewolf of London. Oh, oh. Werewolf, werewolf of London. So long, Chetty, you shall be. All right, now. Um, Universal Monsters has had, at this time, had Dracula, Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, the Mummy. Now, we need to do something even cooler. We decided to do the Wolfman. 1941's Wolfman, Tyler, your favorite movie in the whole universe, your favorite monster, and go. Tell me about this movie. Okay, so now that we're here, we can talk a little bit more about it. Yes, sir. Um, I do want to say this movie property is what got me into folklore and horror. Yeah. I was telling Jania about the fact that I remember my dad buying me the junior novelization of this from Toys R Us. Oh, dude. And I want to say this about 93. Yeah, because that Halloween, I went as the Wolfman. I had the official Universal Monsters Wolfman kids costume. Uh, my grandparents got me the VHS for Christmas that year. Yeah. Um, and this so you is the plastic mask and the no the the, the mask. It wasn't a mask. It was a hair piece, like that went over your head to make the hair. We're looking at my Wolfman figure, by the way. That Jania got me for Father's Day two years ago. Jania and the kids did. What a good wife. 
Um, and then you had some hair you put on here. It had a shirt that was like ripped with the hair and the hair, but then it had the makeup you actually drew the the rest of the face on. Uh, awesome. That's so awesome. So and this is where like my love for I think duality starts, why I gravitate towards the idea of the the other side of you, the darker side, uh, the, the split personality, why Two-Face is my favorite Batman villain. Um, so I, I've always had an intrinsic love for this. And why does this stand out? It's because the story. What makes this better than the other Werewolf movie? First of all, the story. Now, um, it can be argued that this is the first official real universal monster. And I say that. Ooh. Now I say that. Go I say it's an argument. Go on. No, I know where you're getting. Because, because he's coming from folklore and a script. Whereas Dracula came from literature. Frankenstein came from literature. Um, the Invisible Man came from literature. Uh, the Mummy came from similar folklore and everything. But you also, there's an icon, there's an icon behind this. Also, you have okay. Well, Lon Chaney, well, you know, as we as we learned in my mummy, my mummy episode, which hasn't dropped yet, and I haven't heard yet. Well, well, when this episode drops on the night of the full moon, September twenty ninth, you would have already heard mummy, uh, and you would have already heard Invisible Man as well. But um, in my mummy episode, which you will hear, uh, you'll hear it tomorrow. Tweet. on you'll hear it tomorrow on. Uh, September 15th. We're recording this on the 14th. You know, you know get over it. Um, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, yeah. The mummy's based on Tutankhamun, really. Yeah, it's, it's, on, it's on King Tut. Yeah, like. King Tut. And so, but it was the first universal monster that didn't have a book to work off of. Yeah. But the Wolfman, like, it's just folklore. But what, It's the only original story that isn't, yeah. But what does it have? It has him. It has Lon, Lon Chaney, Chaney Jr. Jr. Man. Now you gotta think about son of the legendary Lon Chaney. His name, his birth name was Creighton Chaney, and his father didn't want him to do acting, so he started out as a stuntman and did odd jobs, stunts, behind the scenes work, and then think you know he did Son of Dracula. He played the monster. This was his leading man as him film. Okay. That, I think, puts a staple on. And that's why I've always loved him as the Wolfman, because Larry is a good man who tragedy has fallen upon him, who is cursed. And he turns into the monster, whereas Frankenstein is kind of always the monster, even though he fights with, is he a man, is he a monster? Um, Dracula is a monster pretending to be a man. Yeah, um, there it is. Thank you for the word choice. But the Wolfman is a man who turns into something who is cursed. Um, now, was it two years ago for Christmas? Jania bought me the official Wolfman script. And had a whole bunch of history involved in it. And this is where this goes back to, I didn't want to say this earlier. It's called the Wolfman. Because in the original script, it was written in a way and was talked about never seeing him transform. The idea was that you, you, Wolf Man implying was 
we never really knew if he was turning into this wolf or if it wasn't his head. There was a scene in the, in the script talking about how he was like moving over top of a puddle of water. And in the reflection, you saw the wolf. But it was supposed to be a little bit more psychological. Um, the original script is neat because there are scenes that are not in this, but there's also, you can, it's a perfect example of things being changed while filming and on the set because Larry was not supposed to be the son of Sir John. He was Larry who was coming from America. The idea was an American being brought to this European back old timey town to work on Sir John's telescope. And it was about this American out of place and this tragedy befalling him. That's why some of the scenes, if you look at her a little, they're a little interesting, but then they go in and talk, they change him. He is Lawrence Talbot. He is the son. Um, they even create, he had a twin brother who died, who was John. So it's technically Sir John Jr. Um, and that there is an understory of Larry being kind of the prodigal son. Now, that theme is never drawn out in this because most of this was not written with him as the son. Okay. Um, the other thing is, and I always hated the whole pentagram and the Wolfman thing until I read the script and I read Kurt Sidemack talk about it. Kurt Siodemack or Sidemack um, escaped Nazi. Well, you be butchering oh, no. I always do. I always apologize. He escaped Nazi Germany. The writer of the script. The writer, the writer of, the of the script. And he talked about the, he incorporated the, the pentagram as like the idea of being marked for death and like a curse by a star and being hunted because of a star. And that's what he experienced being Jewish, escaping Nazi Germany. And once I read Man, that, powerful. once I read that, I was like, I'm good with it. In the context of this film, I'm good with it because he's bringing his own personal tragedy into the story now one of the other allegories that was brought up with the wolfman was the idea of alcoholism how during the day you're a great yeah. you're a great man but then night comes you start drinking you turn into something else um so i've always the wolfman once again that jack pierce makeup it's iconic uh, okay um the greatest the the way they did Lon Chaney up in his actions. The fact that it is the tragedy of Larry and we love Larry. Larry's a good man. He's just have fun. I mean, his only real temptation was trying to seduce Gwen and take her away from her fiance. That's where he done screwed up. And that's why he got bit. Like, that was his sin. And then <laughs> fate was yeah, like, he, you know, he was a bit of a creeper. Just looking. To I, was, I mean, in the yeah, game. we would say that now back in 1941, they're like, what's a test? So what, what a charmer. <laughs> I mean, he has a charm to him, but he also has a tragedy in his face. And I mean, uh, Lon Chaney Jr.'s life was filled with ups and downs and tragedies. And he was born dead. Did you know that? He was born dead and his father took him out and pushed him, the baby into cold water. And he, he, it shocked him to life. He started crying. I didn't know that. Yeah. Which is why you're here on this podcast. Because um, <laughs> you know what So there's a lot into this that makes it iconic because it is more of like universal. Like we're, we're good with these monsters. What do we have? 
well, we kind of did a wolf thing. It wasn't great. We have this amazing actor that people like. We're going to kind of pour this into something and create something. And they did that with the wolf man. And it's the first time you have a human you can identify with who is the monster itself. So you can like the human and the monster. But I, I love this movie. Like, I do. Um, my, <laughs> I like the, the, you know, the lore that's, in, you know, it, I mean, there's a reason why most all other werewolf movies pull from this lore. It's because it's so strong and good. So good. Um, you know, the, the old gypsy poem that's in this. How's it go, Tyler? In this film. In this one. Uh, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf's veins blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Now, Kurt would later refine that poem and the line about the autumn moon be changed when the moon is full and bright, which is the version I subscribe to. Because... Absolutely. Because then it makes it sound like he can only, it makes like he can only turn, you know, during Halloween or whatever. Yeah, he's like, what, two months, two cycles? That's it. Okay. Um, the other thing about the Wolfman, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, that makes him such a staple icon for Universal, is he was only always played by Lon Chaney Jr., and he was the first one to help start the crossover process of having the monsters, the iconic monsters appear together. The MCU? Yeah, take that, Kevin Feige. Um, but it was always Lon Chaney Jr. Compared to how the monster, the Frankenstein creature, was played by Karloff, Karloff Strange, Bell Lugosi, and Lon Chaney Jr. So there wasn't that consistency. But this character is associated with the actor, which is sad because Lugosi didn't have that like he should have. Lugosi... Well, Ghosty should definitely have that for Dracula. Like, it should have been his role. You know, Boris Karloff should have been the monster every time. Yes. You know, um, you know Boris, you know, maybe should have been the mummy, you know, every time. I, I yeah. But there's so much to this film that I, I love and adore with just Larry's tragedy of just, you see him as happy-go-lucky and then just... He starts dwindling down. You have the the gypsy culture. He doesn't want to be a monster. No, he no, doesn't. He, he, like he. So, so main main parts of the story is you know, um, you know Larry Lord Talbot, whatever. He's he goes. I, I forget some aspects of the story, but basically he becomes a werewolf um, by being attacked by. Um, a gypsy werewolf in the park while he's walking with this hot chick, Glenn. Um, not Glenn. <laughs> Glenn. Glenn, Glenda, whatever. Uh, Glenn. And he gets bit by a wolf. And he becomes the Wolfman. And part of the curse of the Wolfman is whoever has the pentagram on them. And the Wolfman sees the pentagram on in their hand. Which we're actually ironically watching that scene right now, yep. as the symbol shows up on Gwen's hand. Who, whoever the pentagram shows, the werewolf that will be the werewolf's next victim. They're marked. They're marked. They they are going to die. 
and the Wolfman always kills who he loves. I, I will say, like, the, how heartbreaking is that? <laughs> the lore for this in one one werewolf movie that had all the ingredients to be great, but studio interference, reshoots really destroyed it was Wes Craven's Cursed. That really was inspired by this movie because they pulled a lot of the mythos from this movie with the pentagram and everything. And I, for the script that I worked on for school, I pulled a good, not a good bit, but I worked within the, the realm of this as well as other folklore. But I mean, they also have in this about the fact that werewolf can only be killed by someone that loves them. Yes. And that's why, you know, Sir John, you know, kills Larry, but he doesn't stay dead. And they find a good way for how he doesn't stay dead in, uh, you know, the sequel with a silver cane and everything. Well, so the dad, dad kills him with this legendary, beautiful silver tipped wolf's cane that even has a pain ring on it. It's iconic with the wolf man. Um, so cool. But in 1941's Wolfman, it's it's just so great. And I, I think what makes the Wolfman, honestly, like I love Frankenstein, I do. Um, but I what makes the Wolfman the best universal monster, actually, like really, he is the best, is the consistency of Lon Chaney Jr. as the character the crazy inconsistency of the story of the Wolfman, but the consistency of Lon Chaney in that role. Like, you know that you're getting Lon Chaney, you're getting Larry, and you can more, you can more grow with the character. You can more connect with the character. Like, you know, like... There's an arc. There's an arc. Yeah. From this movie to its sequel, which is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, um, they find out, they pick up with the threads from this film. They reference things. So let's get into Frankenstein. Okay. Let's go right into it. Okay. So in this movie, at the end of 1941's Wolfman, you know, he's dead. His dad kills and beats him with a silver cane. Now, I can I can accept that the silver cane didn't do the job. I can accept it. But in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, he is truly dead. He is dead. But he, he is buried in a coffin. And covered him with wolf's bane. And people break in to rob it, take all the wolf's bane off. As the full moon shining, so I look at it. The full moon shining, and he just he begins to heal, like that's that super healing that he has from the curse of the werewolf. It it just heals him. And that, he I mean, back. that's how I buy it because he acts like he's got a little bit of brain damage. He's a little fuzzy on stuff. Um, his father just didn't do. He didn't finish him off. That's how I look at it. He beat him down to a state of like he turned back to where he was dying. Like, oh, crap, it's my son. Um, you know, I'm done. I'm done beating him now. You know, it, it just... you got to always find a way to bring him back. Yeah, you have to. You have to. I mean, and especially I, when the movie's successful. And I um, feel like they found a way that it was... I, I was a, I'll go with it. Okay, but do you like that Larry is officially a member of the undead, if you will? Or do you take it in your mind that, like, he's never fully dead, so it doesn't really count as him being the undead? I think he's never fully dead. That's fair. It's kind of like how I feel about Superman, the death of Superman. Like he really didn't die, die. He was like basically beat into a coma where no one, like it was so low that they couldn't really detect a pulse. 
but that's why you know his Kryptonian technology revived him is because it healed him and brought him back. But he didn't actually completely die as we would die. Death of Superman, my ass. Coma Superman, Dan Jurgens. Um, but that's how I because I always look at Larry's being that man who has one foot in the supernatural and one foot out. You know, I I, I don't want to get too far into the movie, but the you know. The, the second film that solidified my love for him was Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman, Frankenstein and Dracula, because in that film we'll get there. That's the season for now. I know. I just, all I just want to say into it is like you meet Larry, who teams up with Bud and Lou, and Larry is come to terms with who he is as the Wolfman, and he's using his prolonged life to hunt Dracula, to be Dracula's nemesis, to stop him. Even though he can't control his other side, Larry himself still lives. And that's what always made me love the Wolfman more is because Larry is a good guy. Larry's a great guy. Um, now, so Larry, you know, wakes up from the dead and he wants to stay dead. Uh, let's also, I also want to say that uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman is the first ever crossover of these monsters and that's what helps solidify the wolfman as being the werewolf of the universal monsters yes why it helps bury werewolf of london is because of the crossovers and the actor yes so this would be the your uh you know batman v superman <laughs> you know of whatever um so larry doesn't want to be alive anymore um you know, we forgot. We forgot something. We forgot Maleva. 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 Um, I think Maleva is essential to the Wolfman story, especially in your first film. I think of her as Alfred, dude. In a sense, I mean, because once again, she was the mother of Bela. She spent her time dealing with her son and his curse. You know, I mean, looking at this film, like I said, there were script changes. Um, there's lightheartedness in certain things as far as how we as the modern audience dig for deeper detail in our story. Um, but I think Maleva is needed because, and she is one of, I think the good parts. And you and I had a conversation on my podcast yep. for Patreon about the 2010 Wolfman remake um, of what helps that story. Oh, him attacking the wind is great. There's a story about they were doing this and the 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 fog, she got lightheaded and she actually passed out and was laying on the ground and they forgot her. They, like, oh, they had to go back and fight. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, there's technically been three wolf men that Universal has said are wolf men. This one, number one, mm-hmm. Chef's Kiss. Number two, Bullcrap Steven Summers Wolfman. We're getting there. We're getting there. I don't count. We'll them. get there. We'll get there. And then third's the remake. But yes, we'll get there. Um, so how do you feel about this plan that he has to go to Dr. Frankenstein, who's been long dead, but now Baroness Frankenstein, if you will, find these notes, uh, find the Frankenstein's monster, and like the whole plot of we're going to suck the life out of you. We're going to kill you by sucking the life out of you. I mean, it goes back to kind of the folklore that we talked about earlier, about kind of exhaustion and taking it out of you. I think that Dr. Frankenstein gets a lot more credit in these latter films about 
because his book was called The Secrets of Life and Death. And he gets a lot more credit about being some supernatural doctor than what he was. Um, but it, it's a nice plot device that makes sense that this guy built this monster and was screwing around with stuff he shouldn't be, that maybe he knows a way to help or to cure him. Maybe. Maybe, which... But it should have been Dr. Van Helsing. But by that time, they would have been like Van Helsing Jr. Or, Agatha. Or, <laughs> I mean, there would have to be some descendant. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that we're robbed by not having Van Helsing, the doctor, brought up again, or some student of Van Helsing showing up. Yeah. Uh, we are really robbed of that because um, Dr. Frankenstein plays more of the catalyst of what brings the monsters together. Yes. So greatest cop in history right here just quickly makes up uh, uh, a <laughs> series is our guest uh, tonight as well. Cop, what does cop say? Just where he's like, uh, yeah, he I'm sorry, Sir John. Larry must have heard the attack and ran to help and in the in the mix of everything was killed. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm not, <laughs> his, no wonder he doesn't have any problems at his precinct. He's no. like, and solved. Yeah. And see. Um, so, um, so yeah, so Frank Stein meets uh, Wolfman. It, it, it ends with uh, Frankenstein actually fighting the monster, or, or Wolfman fighting the monster, and uh, they you know, fall into a waterfall, ah, and then they get frozen in it. Yep. Fast forward to House of Frankenstein. <sighs> yeah. So, I, I can't remember how, I can't remember how uh, the movie starts, but like, it's they don't they get thawed out of the ice, don't they? Yeah, basically they they I did not like House of Frankenstein. House of Frankenstein and Dracula could really be edited and tweaked into one movie with where um the way things play out in it. Um but basically you have this guy who escapes from prison and it's Boris Karloff and they find uh the monster and Larry Talbot. And yeah, yeah. So, like, basically, long story short, um, Talbot wants to be cured, and um, Frankenstein has a hunchback assistant. The hunchback basically like wants Larry's body to like be pretty. Yep, Larry wants to be cured, and uh, and this one. This one, no, and this one, he's not cured. No, nope. I can't remember. No, he's not. Yeah, he's not cured. But yeah, long story short, this movie's not very good. Um, but Larry dies at the end from being shot with a silver bullet. So it's the first time in werewolf movie history that a, wolf, a werewolf dies by a silver bullet. That's the biggest thing. To take That's the main here. thing. And supposedly, uh, this random gypsy chick uh, loves him. Yep. And shoots him with a silver bullet. So, it's, but it's so funny because Larry's story is like going on over here by itself because he doesn't have any interaction with the other monsters that are supposed to be in this movie. No, like right, they don't actually like they're in the movie, but they're all 
They're all no one's intersecting with each other. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. Um, as a as a Wolfman fan, and uh, yeah, yeah, watch it, check it out. Yeah, I mean, I watched it and enjoyed. Like, I would edit just the, the Lon Chaney scenes. Sure. If I was bored, I would go in there, strip it, just edit the Lon Chaney scenes, and tack them on as like an epilogue to uh, after Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. But Larry gets shot with a silver bullet. He's done. It's it's over. It's done. But then all of a sudden they're like, well, let's make a sequel, and and the silver bullet thing like never happened. That is the biggest. It's, it's supposed to happen, but but there's stuff in House of Frankenstein that's supposed to happen. Yeah, that's why. That's the biggest inconsistency is when we go from House of Frankenstein to House of Dracula. Yeah, because yeah. It, it feels like the con- natural continuation of the two fil- of the films. Like it really feels like it could be one movie, but the Wolfman stuff the way they did it, it just feels like. They weren't as creative of how to bring him back. Yeah, like they, you know, they didn't, this, they didn't know, they didn't know what they're doing. And this one's all about him going through surgery, and he has a mustache. Yeah, um, I'm not really sure what they were thinking, and they were like, "Ah, you, well, you want a mustache?" Well, this movie was originally supposed to be Dracula versus the Wolfman. Now we're talking, um, but censors, freaking censors of the time blocked the movie from being made and the movie kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed uh some stories say this is why bella lugosi missed the role of dracula um but there's also conflicting reports is in 1937 the string screen actors guild was created so this opened up for more work for actors in different studios so bella could have been working in another movie during the time, and that's why he missed out because of the delay. Um, this movie is also can be seen as the first movie where Dracula's vampirism is compared to a drug addiction. Um, before, it was more like sexual desire. Now, it's kind of like drug addiction. Um, in interviews with John Carradine, who plays Dracula in this, Horsley, he, he sucks. But he said that he wanted to play Dracula's very evil. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's stupid. Um, but basically Talbot does get cured and he dies in a collapse of the, of the castle or something at the end. And he's gone. He's dead. Not my ending. Not, so that's my, that's my next question. So what ending do you like best for Larry Talbot? Do you like seeing more of these and move right to Abba Castell and Dracula? I believe it's or part of his, I pretend like neither of these really existed. He didn't get cured. He woke up in the rubble of the castle, still a wolfman, pissed off, and then decided having encountered Dracula that he was going to stop Dracula because he knew Dracula was evil. That's a good story. And that's why he's in Abba and Costello. And the last time we see him is he grabs. So I was afraid that didn't happen. Never happened. It did. Yeah, you can clip it. I was say it did. It just shows the more of like Larry's journey of being tormented and never finding a cure. It's just another example of maybe he can't die. Maybe there's something about him that I could write a whole other movie here. Yeah, could. He couldn't die. You know, the problem is with all these monster movies is you always want to end it on the happy note where the monsters are dead, and then the next writer's job is to how did the monster not die last time? And we can keep going. Like freaking comic books. <laughs> How can we change that ending? Um, all right. So the next time we see 
universals, quote unquote, Wolfman is in Steven Summers' Van Helsing. Is that even Larry? No, it's crack. Who the heck is that weird Wolfman? Okay, it's not the Wolfman. Break it down. We're going to talk more about it in in the Van Helsing episode. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it's the problem is they just were using the generic term the Wolfman. They didn't understand what made the Wolfman special, or the Wolfman in itself. They just made him a werewolf. Yep. Because they and they go into like it was not a Wolfman. It was a werewolf. Because Larry's Wolfman is governed by certain rules and laws that makes it the Wolfman and not a werewolf. Okay. Um, one of the biggest like we talked about earlier, what makes the Wolfman, but in Van Helsing it was like. It was a full-on wolf, more like an underworld-style wolf, and he rips his flesh off, and the wolf is underneath. I hate it. Oh. I hate it. And it's just oh. like there's three wolves in that movie, three quote-unquote wolfmans, wolfman, wolfmans, whatever, um, wolf, wolf people in that movie, but none of them are really the wolfman because should have been in that film. If you want to use that film, um. You should have had a character like if it was going to be her brother, great. Or it should have been someone else that showed up on who is like, I was like the American being dropped into this like European yeah. culture or something like that. Like the outsider coming in. I did not like Van Helsing being a werewolf. That was stupid. And I hated I really him. hate him being an angel. Don't get me started. Dude. Like, what the hell are you doing? That, that, is, that is always. Summers movie. didn't write that, did he? No. He just directed it. He just directed it. It's yeah. always one of those movies that. I always try to go back and watch again, thinking maybe I'll like it one time, and it just makes me mad because there's so much good. When this, when that movie was announced, we'll get into it. We'll get into name gritty. But when that movie was announced, I was so freaking excited because this is it. My monsters oh, no. out of it are getting this huge movie. Like they even threw Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde in it. It was not even a Universal monster traditionally. He walks that line, you know. Yeah. Um, I do have a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde episode. Director Stephen Summers, written by Stephen Summers. Ah, Stephen! You let us down, bro. And I, dude, I, dude, I talked so much beauty. I, I, I oh, I'm he bit off more than I he talked so much greatness of him with the mommy. Yeah, my mommy he, upset. He bit off more than he could chew with this but one. Van Helsing, yeah. He, oh, he redeemed himself man. if you ever seen his ad- adaptation movie of Odd Thomas. Odd, oh, yeah, that's where it, that was his redemption. That was a great film, very sad. Just like you gotta watch this. Anton Yelchin was my favorite actor, rest in peace, bud. Um, yeah. Oh man, what a great movie! Go see that movie, man. Yeah, uh, Skip well, Van Helsing. Just watch like the like the Tyler Bridge version. I'll edit it, throw it up on. Uh, <laughs> I'll put it in Dropbox. <laughs> um. So after Van Helsing's Wolfman, we get the Benicio del Toro. We talked about this and and. Uh, and we'll get there as podcast if you yeah. know. Um, you know, with with uh, with Crimson Report, you know, your Patreon. Um, you know, you could throw that in like up if you wanted to throw that in there because it was a really good discussion. It, it was um, a great discussion. Uh, check it out, definitely. My quick breakdown but, of that is yeah, but quick thoughts of that. I love this. I love his look. I love that they took it back like the 1800s and they made yeah. it gothic. I love the imagery and the gothicness of that film. Um, there's problems in the story. I think Benicio was great. So great. I know there was an original script that was supposed to be used that got changed 
and I want to find the original script because it was Andrew Kevin Walker who wrote Seven and then wrote Sleepy Hollow. Um, so I love. We will this. be talking Sleepy Hollow for sure. That's why I'm I'm, I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> but my thought is, um, there's some story faults in that. But as far as following the Wolfman, um. Trope like what the Wolfman is, they do a pretty good job. I mean, they do it, he looks great. They do make him a little bit more wolf like, but they still keep a little bit more of the manness in his makeup and stuff. They don't go too far into wolf. Um, they're still, you know, wolf manness. Um, two legs more. They do get some cool shots of him on all fours running and about back to two, which I'm, I'm okay with because they're trying to make it a little bit more. Werewolf, but um, they, they, it's like one of those, it's another movie better than Van Helsing, but it's like there's so much good in it I like and I enjoy it and I'll watch it. Um, but there's little stuff in it I wish wasn't because just in general, I'm not a gore person and I thought there was way too much gore in there. Way too much. Um, and so it took away from the fifth thing. Like if I okay, so recently I've been making my way through. I've I cross reference like four or five different like best werewolf lists, right? And I've been watching all these werewolf movies. And like when I watch Dog Soldiers, okay, gore in that, okay, I expect that. But there's something about when you say Universal's Wolfman, I'm not there for gore. I'm there for a great story about a tragic man who has a curse has been you know fallen him. And I want to see the wolf. And yes, I want it to be kind of scary and intense. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not there to see blood and guts everywhere. And that to me takes away from the film. Yeah. It could have been a very good gothic thriller gets bogged down with cheap effects of, of, uh, with the gore. Okay. Hey, hey, if you like gore, check it out. Um, it's not a horrible movie. It's, it's it, it not by any means. And I, I recommend the. Uh, theatrical cut, not the direct. Yeah, the unrated has Brian and I watched that. Has some extra scenes that the scenes themselves are cool, but in the whole of the film do not work because they needed to be ex- expanded and yes. really worked into the story, the narrative more. Um, but I love Benicio in the role, and I won't get into my whole what I would have done change the story wise because that was on the other podcast. Yes. Um, but it, it breaks my heart that it didn't do better than it did because I love the score to that film as well. Um, because there is there is a classicness and a poetry to the characters that are the universal monsters. Especially to the Wolfman. A good man who tragedy befell him. But I'm in a man who's pure hearts. I'm going to ask you something, Brian. I'm going to bring up something for your listeners. And you can disagree with me. And that's okay. But what I have found is other than 1941's The Wolfman, there has never been a great werewolf movie. There have been good movies, but there has never been a great one. I disagree. Which one you got? Teen Wolf. I, I would, I could argue that, yes. I only, I only say I only say it's a great werewolf movie because of what it is. It is a t- because of what it like. It's not 
It's not a Wolfman movie, but it's close enough to a. It's like it's it's close enough to it, but it's a you know comedy with yeah. the world. And I love Teen Wolf. Like I actually need to buy it on DVD Blu-ray because um, I'd like to own a Blu-ray, a high quality copy of it. And I'll I'll give you Teen Wolf because the first one I it's a really great Just the first one. Just, it's fun. It's for what what it is, what they're trying to sell. You know, like a you know a teen comedy um, using with a werewolf. I think it's pretty great. The first season of the Teen Wolf TV series is really good too. They they add a lot of neat stuff to the lore. But I will say, as far as films, everyone that I've watched and I've gone through these lists of supposedly great werewolf movies, I don't think they're that. I don't think they're great. They're okay, good. Okay. Okay. The because then we got we got to wrap it up. But I'm sorry, listeners. If it's your favorite, that's fine. To each his own. But Tyler and I, being brothers in the multiverse, if you will, um, where American Werewolf in London is not the best werewolf movie. It is not. I. It's the transformation scene. Top notch. Top notch. We'll give you Rick that. Baker. We'll give you yeah. that. That's why he did the the makeup for the 2011 or 2010 Wolfman. Yeah. Um, but the story, it like the idea of him being hot, I thought that was fun and cool. But then like, there's so many parts in that movie that could have been funnier. Like when they're in the theater, like the porn theater, like it could have been funnier. It could have been funnier. And it wasn't. The idea that he sees his dead friend. I hate that. I, I absolutely hate that. hate that he sees his victims. I hate that. that I, I hate that. I hate like, the wolf eats the harps thing, like, and then they made that horrible. Uh, it's like a spin-off reboot sequel. American, American Wolf Paris. Paris. Yep. Yeah, it's horrible. Horrible. Um, yeah. I watched that a couple of years back, just to when I was doing all my research. But I don't think I'm, I don't think everyone will always say these movies: The Howling, the first one, American Werewolf in London, Silver Bullet. I think Silver Bullet is good, but I think you could have really used the source material of the book and made it a little bit stronger. So I think that is definitely one that I would love to see made into a, like a limited series, like an eight episode series. And I already, ha- I already have it mapped out and I can tell you how to do it. Um, the Cycle of the Werewolf by Stephen King is what it is. Um, I think Silver Bullet is good, but not great. I, you know, I think so you know what could have been great if they would have made that dark. This is a good segue. If they would have made that dark universe Wolfman and had the great one, yeah. the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, yeah, as yeah. the Wolfman. What great casting there, buddy! Jesus, I remember they said what that. the hell were they thinking? The Rock is the Wolfman. Come on, that That's was a horrible call. You'd have to make it a horror comedy. Oh yeah, like, it would have to be very much. Like a like a comical element. It had to be like the Wolfman meets Teen Wolf um, for it to work at all. Uh, but a Samoan as but, like I don't see him playing the tragedy. No, you know what I'm saying. Um, I no. But that idea is gone. We, we you know I I talk a lot about the Dark Universe in the Mummy episode. Yeah, but I know I know I, I said I bought that movie specifically so I can have it with subtitles to watch with you. And yes. we can tear it apart. Yes, yes, yes. yes we did. We, 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 we will. Um, but there, there's a lot of talks. It's 2019. 
that there's going to be a Ryan Gosling-led Wolfman movie. So what what are your thoughts as Ryan Gosling as possibly the new Lawrence Talbot? One, what do you want from it, and what do you think you're going to get? One, if it's, if it's Ryan Gosling, he's a great actor, yes. so I have faith in him. Um, two, last I heard, it was supposed to be written or written and directed by Lee Winnell. Lee Winnell's definitely come up as a writer-director, his last film being the 2020 Invisible Man. Um, he, you know, got his horror chops writing and working along James Wan, one of my favorite directors, period. Um, so my only thing with the Wolfman is play into the Larry Talbot, play into the tragedy, play into the nature of the story. But I, I, I would love for it to be set like in the forties, like kind I was of. Hoping you said that. You know, because I, I love them in the Benicio del Toro version that they said in the 1800s, like a gothic thriller. Loved it. But I think if you said it in the 40s and called back to the original movie, because just that time when superstitions still run really true in people, we nowadays, because of modern technology, sometimes it's harder to adapt these movies to today or major cities and make them feel as lethal and real but going to a time when people still had superstition really helps lead to us. the validity of these things, especially if you want to be serious. If you're going for like a comedy, like a horror comedy or camp, modern day works. So I'm just saying like, I wouldn't want it set in the 80s. I wouldn't want it set in the 90s. But like the 40s. the 40s or the 50s could be cool to play with, but there's just that. There's a special way about the 40s, I think, is a, a great way of oh, uh, showing a oh to the original monsters. Yes. So. I hope, I really, really hope that, um, really hope it comes. I hope we get it because. And just do, you know, do it one movie at a time. Uh, don't like announce like, we're going to, you know, do this whole universe. Just take it one movie at a time and surprise us that you're connecting and making a universe, you know? Um, what you know, what made what made the MCU you know work so well? Well, um, the fact that we didn't even know that there was an MCU until until the end of the end of Iron Man. And um Samuel Jackson shows up and is like, "Hey, let me let's talk about Avengers." You know, so with the Dark Universe, man, I mean, they just they got us so excited, and they just. Well, I mean, the other I think they should have stuck with it. They they should just stay the course. Well, like these studios, man, they get they get so scared. When a movie doesn't make like X amount of money, you don't drop over two hundred million dollars. Because the problem with that movie is they banked it on a movie star and not letting the property sell itself. Well, I talk about it in the Mummy podcast, and I can't wait to hear it because this is what I told you the first. No holds barred in that podcast. You you need to get someone who is a humble actor who understands their role. Yep. You know who would be a good Wolfman? Benicio del Toro. I mean, yeah, he was great, but I'm saying like, I think Patrick Wilson could do it cool. Thinking about like just the like James Wan, Lee Winnell, like he has that like everyman quality, happy go lucky who falls tragedy. 
Because I think because I don't think of Ryan Gosling when I think of Wolfman. I don't either. And I think I think you have to have a man. And I think like dude in his thirties or forties. I think forties would be a good for the Wolfman because he's got to be like he's lived. He can't be young. He can't be like a twenty-some-year-old dude. Like he's got to be yeah. a. He's got to have like some life under him, you know. Um, but, I don't know. I I I hope it happens. I hope it's good. I do too. But what you said about the MCU, they already had two films in the can before we even knew about it. Yep. And they did a movie, and they had a teaser scene at the end. That, but the movie itself wasn't selling a, a universe. It was just focused on the character. Yep. And then they have a teaser scene. And then all of a sudden we realize a couple months later, oh man, we're getting an incredible Hulk movie. And we find out there's a small scene that ties it to and, the other movie. And what's so important is Incredible Hulk didn't do very well. But they stayed the course. Yeah, because they had things in the works. Yes. It did moderate. But they, the, they didn't just say, oh, screw it, we're not doing the Barcubers. <laughs> yeah, they banked everything. They were going to do, I mean, look at the people they got, like Javier Bardinum and Johnny Depp, all these people that are quality actors to bring these. And they should have just done them, something special. They should have just done them all as period pieces. Yeah. And it should never have been called the Dark Universe. That was a Dark stupid Universe is such a stupid system. All right. Man. Lon Chaney Jr., both men. See it. The Howling, the first good, not great werewolf movie. If you disagree with me about you have a reason why you think there is a great werewolf movie. Send it to me, but I'll argue either way. And the correct answer for the greatest werewolf movie, of course, is Wolf with Jack Nicholson. No. <laughs> no, the correct answer is the Monsters Hulk, um, which we will talk about eventually. Um, but everybody, I hope you enjoyed this Wolfman episode. Uh, Tyler and I have been waiting for you for a long time. And uh, we hope that you were horrified. We hope we thrilled you. We hope we left you bravely in peace. Good night, everybody.